Hey, counselor. You want to know why Jesus wasn't born in Mexico? No. Why? Couldn't find three wise men or a virgin. Hey, counselor, there's something else to consider. Beheadings, the mutilations, that's just business. You gotta keep up appearances. It's not like there's some smoldering rage at the bottom of it. Let's see if we can guess who it is they really want to kill. I don't know. Who? You, counselor. You. Hello there, welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. It's just the two of us. It is. It's, it feels it's weird. A little, uh, yeah, it feels a little weird, right? It does. Like there, there's no Andy. I, I keep looking over to like my left, going like Andy, and then he's not there. And what does Andy think? Nothing. It's nothing he today. Thinks nothing. He thinks nothing. Well, he'll be missed, but today is a is one of our actual. He'll be back in the next episode. Right for yeah. the for the mission and mission. Boss. Barbie Barbenheimer, um, as I call it, the Florence Pugh is full frontal naked, and I'm very excited about that movie. For an Oppenheimer, is it just like is it just like Asteroid City, where she's just like, look at this? No, I think it's I think it's actually her naked though. Hmm. Cool. Um, and there's there's some Cillian Murphy. Yeah, he's he's also going to be naked too. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited. I got, I got, it's a plus. We got, we got three days before. Uh, Do you have a plan? Yeah, we're. I'm seeing it on Friday. Both of them. Uh, just, just, um, just Oppenheimer. Okay. Seeing Barbie on Saturday. Oh, cool. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I need to see both those movies on the same day. That's stupid. Yeah, it just seemed people were making it seem like you you were obligated to, and they're like, which order did you see them? And I was like, those two movies don't go together. Like no, for in sure. any order, like whatsoever. So maybe don't do that. But but I feel bad for those movies because I feel like people are, are not going to go. I feel like if people don't see them together, they're like less likely to see them somehow. They'll either see them both that weekend or they won't see either of them at all because yeah. they'll feel like totally out of touch with the yeah. culture. Um, I don't know. That's just, uh, that's, that's like a weird, it's a weird premonition I have on it is that neither of those movies will have like legs and they'll just kind of, you know, people will see them that first week. I mean, Oppenheimer is expected to make what, $50 million and Barbie's expected to make $100 million. Yeah. So. Which is we'll amazing. Say, I don't think, I don't think either of those movies hits either of those numbers. So. Oh, you don't think so? Nah. Why? Because Mission Impossible didn't hit its, yeah, it's number? Just, it's, yeah. It's just going to be like six. Yeah. Because Mission Impossible is what? It. 60 million and it ended up doing like a 78 five day like weekend which everyone was kind of like oh no oh no yeah no i think all those movies are going to just like hit the low numbers mm-hmm. and people will say like oh that's a that's a bummer but it really isn't a bummer because movies don't matter anymore <laughs> the only taylor swift concerts yeah um movies don't matter to us Mario. Especially old movies. Not old movies, but like movies that didn't come out. Movies that haven't come out since 2013 still matter to us. And what we're doing here today is... We, did we tease this at all? Uh, slightly. We, we talked about our five-year anniversary, which is what we're doing. This is five years for us. Uh, mostly five years for us. 
I think our fifth year anniversary is sometime next month. I thought it was July. I thought we did our first episode. Was in July. it? Okay. No, I, I thought it was. I thought it was in uh, August. Well, regardless. Yeah. It's five years for us, and the uh, I don't know the 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 thing we have both liked. The thing we both talked about has been Cormac McCarthy, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So for our five year anniversary, we're gonna be talking about the. Uh, Court McCarthy movies we did not get to. Well, we did, because we only the only one that was on any either of our lists was No Country for Old Men. Yeah. And we'll touch we'll 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 talk about it a little bit. Yeah. We're not gonna go in depth on it, but we, we you know we'll get there. Um it should also be noted, we thought of this episode before he died. We did. And yeah. it became one of those things where uh uh, it seemed, I, I thought of the episode before he died, and if we didn't do it, I wouldn't have been, like, sad we didn't do it. Um, but now that he's died, it seems, like, very necessary that we do this episode. And basically what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about McCarthy, and we're going to then kind of talk about, like, the things that we feel like make a McCarthy work, how it works for us, like, what we look for in a McCarthy yeah. thing, and then, like, talk about these six movies so, you know, in case you're keeping track, All the Pretty Horses, No Country for Old Men, The Road, Sunset Limited, Child of God, and The Counselor, right? We're going to do The Counselor, which it's funny we haven't talked about The Counselor at all in this thing because it's, it's, it's a movie. Counselor's great. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something. I have I'm like, spoiling uh, something, but I love Counselor. I, have, I don't. Um, yeah, we're. Spo- like, I have very little opinions about like All the Pretty Horses and all that, but The Counselor is. The Counselor is one of those movies that's like really fun to talk about because it is simultaneously a Psycho- mess. It's psychotic. And like, but you can't stop watching it like yeah. ever. Like I was watching it like at one in the morning and I kept like being more awake the longer it was going on. I was like, what the fuck is happening? I mean, in this? I was, so I watched it very high uh-huh. and it's the best movie to watch while you're stoned out of your mind. Because every time Cameron Diaz is on the screen, you're just like, wait, what? Who's she working for? What is she what is she doing? It's, it's wild. Oh, no. For sure. But also when, like, Brad Pitt gets murdered, you're oh, yeah. just kind of, like, sitting there going, like, is this what happens The best part, life? I forgot about that scene, and I was almost rooting for him to get it off his neck. And then I was, like, I kept having to remind myself, like, oh, you can't get it off. Can't break it. Because Javier Bardem randomly told Michael Fassbender about this thing at the end of a conversation. Um, but it seems like he's like gonna get it off, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but first, first things first, we have to talk about all the pretty horses, right? We gotta talk about. Well, let's just talk about the let's talk about the the man first. Let's talk about the books. Let's talk oh, about okay. the McCarthy, you know, um, feel or whatever. Um, I, I mean, we probably talked a little bit about this when we did our No Country because we both had No Country for Old Men on our things. Um, I basically came to McCarthy because. Uh, Harold Bloom told me I had to read Cormac McCarthy in his How to Read and Why book. Yeah. And I was just, I picked, I was working, I was like getting really into books and I picked it up and he just like was going crazy about Blood Meridian and that's kind of where uh, McCarthy started for me. It's been one of those things where, I don't know how you feel about it, but like as I've picked him back up, like in later years and after having read a lot more, I find his books a lot easier to read and more enjoyable and I'm actually getting like a lot more out of them than I did when I was like 20 
and just like trying to plow through as much McCarthy as humanly possible before like, you know, before the road came out or before no country for old men came out. Like I remember when that book was released and everyone was like, what the fuck? Like Cormac McCarthy has a new book. Him and Thomas Pynchon both had new books, like really close to each uh, other against the day. Um, so they both were like two writers who hadn't released a book in a really long time. So for Pynchon, it was like 16 years. And for McCarthy, it was what? Eight. Yeah. Um, and like, they just dropped like these just, you know, the country for old men's like, it's not like a massive book, but like it makes like a huge, it made like a huge impact. Everyone was like, holy shit, Cormac McCarthy has another book. Um, and so, yeah, and then he's just kind of been like, a, he's been, I don't know, Harold Bloom writes about him in like the trajectory of, like it basically goes, for him it goes Melville, Faulkner, McCarthy. And that feels right to me. Although I do think that Cormac McCarthy, Cormac McCarthy is definitely not like a better writer, but he definitely feels like he belongs more of their era than like Blood Meridian. I always forget Blood Meridian was written in the 80s and not like 1901. Yeah, because like that's how it reads. Well, the thing, the thing. Uh, so I read Blood Meridian the first time in '06. Um, basically, we talked about this in the past, uh-huh. like how it's like my summer of discomfort or whatever. Mm. Where I just read like the shittiest books ever. Not, not shittiest, <laughs> but I read like the most uncomfortable books ever. I read um, Patrick. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but uh, Perfume. Mm. Um, Suskin. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, but yeah. I don't. I don't. I couldn't say definitively. So I read that. I read um, Naked Lunch. I read all that shit like that summer, mm-hmm. and um, part of that was No Country for Old Men, which is like one of the most like cognizant novels. Like it was a novel that actually knew what it was doing, and it was yeah. like, just being shitty. Like all the air shit I was reading was being shitty. Um, and the road is being also shitty, but like also cognizant. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was that year that I just, like, I just knew that Cormac McCarthy was like my writer. Mm-hmm. Like I just locked into him. Um, I, that, you know, I, I, I realized that he was the guy who, who wrote everything that I wanted, that I want in literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, talking about it, like I would say my favorite author of all time is probably Steinbeck, then it's probably Faulkner, mm-hmm. and then it's McCarthy. Yeah, and those are those are those three work together yeah. pretty well. So like what is it? What are the <clears throat> what are the things that like when you pick up I mean there's so we both just read the passenger, you know, tried to read the passenger in Stella Maris. Um, he's on like, he's, he's on a slightly different trip now. Um, I think I, I think I got it a little bit. Um, and I think when you watch some of these movies and then you think about them in the context of his books, you can kind of see that he was like on a different trajectory. Um, like there's an aggression. There's an aggression, but there's also like a weird, like stripping away, like from, um, the fucking, the border trilogy, like, Cities on the Plain to No Country for Old Men, like, there's a very distinct, like, difference between yeah. those books and then, like, what came, like, No Country for Old Men and The Road. Like, he had ripped, like, all the excess flesh out of his books and it was just, like, mostly dialogue and then, like, setting and description that 
seemed vague, but was was atmospheric and specific enough to give you a visceral experience of what that was rather than trying to like give you like kind of when you said like all the shit or like a book being like, you know, his books being like them being like shitty. I don't think you mean just for like clarification, you're not meaning like shitty. It's just like, it's trying to be like a novel Yeah. and his later books aren't trying to be novels anymore. And I don't think, I don't think the passenger or Stella Maris are even trying to do that. They're trying to do something totally different outside of like, they don't even really feel like literature anymore. They feel like, like reports. Just a person like dealing with it, just dealing with life in general. Yeah. But like the thing I love about Stella Maris is like it ends, um, I forgot the main character's name, but it just, it ends with, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it just ends with, uh, like the death of his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just, it doesn't try to do anything else besides that. It yeah. just, it just is there. And then the next, very next chapter, very next scene, like, doesn't also deal with that. It mm-hmm. just, death is just something that happens. Well, that's, everything is just, and that's a, that's a really interesting way to put it, because I think in, in, in those two books, everything is just something that happens. And, like, yeah. Bobby and Alicia are just kind of, like, take it. And they're like, we've thought through, we've thought through all of this. And, like, we've felt through all of this. And now there's, we can't feel or think anything anymore. Um, and then there's like all this stuff happening around us and we don't really, we don't really care about that either. Like we're not sure what we care about and we're not yeah. sure what we're doing here and we're not sure what we're supposed to be doing here. So I guess we'll do nothing. <laughs> I guess we'll do nothing. Just do nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, I mean, it's there. It's, it's that idea is, is there in the, in no country for old men. It's there in the road. It's like weirdly present in something like the counselor where it doesn't seem like anybody is wants to be doing like sunset limited or sunset limited for sure. Um, but like the counselors that, you know, we'll talk about that a lot, but it's like funny because there's not like an indifference and with Stella Morris and the past are like the finished passenger, but with Stella Morris, so like there's a real indifference to life that Mm. I love. But I get, he just, you get an indifference. Yeah. You get an indifference in the counselor a little bit, but he still seems like he's obligated narratively to wrap it in this fucking, you know, big ball of nonsense. But like in reality, he he doesn't super care. Like everyone's just going to get their head chopped off. Um, You know, everyone's going to experience like a massive Which is like what makes the passenger like, oh, not passenger, which makes uh, the counselor almost work for me is the fact like you can tell he does not give a fuck about what he's doing. But he he has to still do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked about this earlier today. Like, I rewatched Scream 6, and I was like, um, I realized, like, probably it's my favorite, still my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that movie just does not care. Mm. Like, it just is doing its own thing. And the counselor that works works for me, because, like, when he, like, when he's being honest to himself, that movie doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And that's when that movie works the best. Yeah. So let's. So I think we kind of nailed down some of the things that like work best for us about McCarthy. Um, you know that kind of that. You know, it's not nihilism. We should probably just start with. The, yeah, the well, counselor, right? You want to just go backwards? Yeah. Okay. Let's start with the counselor. Let's start with the counselor. We don't need the, <laughs> um, the shitty movies. He did. I feel like should I break in here and, and draw? I'll, I'll break in here and drop a clip of the counselor so people go. can hear people do. And say really awesome stuff. Listen to this clip. 
You are the world you have created. And when you cease to exist, this world that you have created will also cease to exist. But for those with the understanding that they're living the last days of the world, death acquires a different meaning. The extinction of all reality is a concept no resignation can encompass. And yet, in that despair, which is transcendent, you will find the ancient understanding that the Philosopher's Stone will always be found despised and buried in the mud. This may seem a small thing in the face of annihilation until annihilation occurs. And then all the grand designs and all the grand plans will be finally exposed and revealed for what they are. And now, Counselor, I have to go because I have to make other calls. If I have time, I think I'll take a, a small nap. The thing I love about this movie is how cruel it is. Mm. It's it's unrelentingly cruel. Yeah. And like that is when I first read McCarthy in 0506. So like like I said, um I had like a summer of discontent where I just read like the darkest novels ever. Mm-hmm. And I read uh No Country for Old Man, I read Perfume, I read uh, Naked Lunch, and then you know, McCarthy, like, we'll talk about it in a bit, but, like, the road feels, like, a little light to me. Uh-huh. Like, it feels, it isn't what it should be. Like, John. Not if you have children. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I do not. Which we'll talk about when we get to the <laughs> but, novel. Uh, the the way that John Hillcoat uh, did that movie did not feel as aggressive as me I too. wanted it to be. Yeah, me too. And um, the counselor is. And the, the thing I love about the counselor is it's just, it's mean, it's cold, it's blunt. And every time I watch that, I just, I just go like, okay, this is, it, it's not a good movie, but it makes me feel, it makes me feel the way I, I f- should feel when I read McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's the best movie to um, line up with the feelings you have. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I was really struggling. It's an interesting conversation that we've decided to do, not because we thought it would be super Cause, interesting. Because we're, we're a good podcast. Sure. What the best if, podcast if you ever. Want. High um, five. Bam. Um, I didn't expect this to be, like, I didn't. I'd seen it before, and it didn't work, and it didn't work to this time in like the same way. But I think because like I was paying more attention to it, well, and the, I was looking. Like, watching, yeah, this is the first time I've seen that movie like all the way through. Yeah, 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 for sure. And like some of the stuff, like, you, you inter- if you're a, if you're if you're a fan of McCarthy, you've internalized and you've seen the Council. You've internalized some of aspects of it, like, um, you know, you you like it, right? I do. Um, so I like it more now than I did like when I originally saw it. But you still have stuff. There's stuff from my original viewing that like is just kind of stuck there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just Brad Pitt's character, Brad Pitt being, like, weirdly, really good in this movie. Um, better oh, than, he's, he's fantastic. Better, better than, like, some of the other, like, major actors that are in this thing. He is just kind of, like, smoking all of them because he's, his character and he plays that character 
as the only one who really kind of understands the gravity of what's going on here. Um, There's like a dirtbag quality to him. Oh, that, yeah. Like he, but like, that like everyone doesn't get. Like my, my biggest problem with this movie is that like Fassbender doesn't realize the movie he's in. Well, he does, he's also not really given much of a character to play. Yeah, yeah. He's just kind of, he's a like a cipher. He's like the, the, um, the person, he's like the, the instigator of, of this whole thing, but not because he wants to be, just because he's there. And that's the thing that Brad Pitt's character seems to understand. What is it, Waster? Westray? Westray. Seems to understand is that, like, this was going to happen anyway. They were just kind of, we're, we were all just waiting for someone stupid like you to, like, Say, I would also I would like to give you money. Yeah, um, I'd like to be a part of this. But like, so yeah, the Brad Pitt character, um, Javier Bardem's just like whole presence in the movie, um, just like some of the the scenes. Penelope Cruz is like realizing she's going to be dead the minute she's on screen. Is great. She is. Yeah, she she knows like. It's a character, you, the second you see her, like you're like, oh, yeah, she's dead. So you know what I, I noticed this time, too, is that she seems, from the very beginning of the movie, she seems deeply uncomfortable. Um, like, you know, the whole... She seems, like, beat down. The whole opening scene with, like, them under the covers, and he's like, say something sexy to me, and she's just like, I don't want to. Like, her whole being is just kind of like, I would prefer not to say something sexy to you. Which is what I love about... I guess it's like a thing about McCarthy with me is I, I love he's I don't know, is he bad at writing women? I think he's he great is. at writing women, like women, but he just is so aggressively over it. That's what I love about it. I think that I get the impression if you could you could read from this from this story and you could read it a little bit in Stella Maris too, where Alicia Western and then Penelope Cruz's character too. Remember when Penelope Cruz opens the ring box? And yeah. she does this, like, really excellent facial, like, combination of facial expressions where, like, she says, like, I definitely, I, def- I definitely know I should not say yes to this. And, like, the fact that, like, I'm probably going to say yes to this is freaking me the fuck out because I'm probably going to die. Yeah. It, but I'm going like, to say yes to this anyway. It is literally saying my death point. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, like, a, a, there is an element to women in McCarthy novels and in, in, subsequently in the movies where they just know the end is like right there and all the men think that they can control something and all the women feel like they're aware that they're aware they've been aware forever that they're fated to die yeah and i think that's the really weird that's like the when you look at it in that kind of context that's the weird flaw with um um i don't know if it's what's her flaw, character? no no in in um oh carla jean moss where in that's why that's, it's, in it's, no country. In no country. She's yeah. like so stupid. They write her or they play her so stupid. Kelly McDonald plays her so stupid that she keeps thinking that she's naive. Gonna, naive. Yeah, there you go. That she keeps thinking that she's going to get out of it. That like this is going to work out for her. Until she realizes she until, isn't. Exactly. And the second she realizes she isn't, um, she wouldn't, she controls the scene. Right. Like, but Charlie Javier, Stern, like Anton Chigar, um instantaneously like the next scene is fucked up mm-hmm. like he's out of that control but she like the last her last scene she's in complete control mm-hmm. of everything that's what i like about mccarthy is mccarthy doesn't know how to write women um but when he does he 
knows how well, to write women. Well, because it's hard to write fully developed characters that when he starts with that character knowing they're going to be dead. Yeah. So, like, Penelope Cruz's character in The Counselor, Charlize Theron's character in The Road, which is, you know, in the novel, is there's not really much of her, but she serves the same function. Charlie Dahl's character in The Exactly. Um, and even Penelope Cruz's character in All the Pretty Horses a little bit, just, like, knowing I'm sh- I definitely shouldn't do this, nothing good is going to come of this, but I'm going to do it anyway. All right, here's my, here's my hot take. I don't love B- Blood Bargain. Like, I don't think Blood is a great novel. I think it's a good novel. I don't think it's a great novel. It's like, not that it's crazy. It's just like it doesn't matter. It's Blood Meridian. Oh, no, no, sure. Yeah, it, like it's like in it's like an it, it's a pinnacle of like novel writing in like the twentieth century. It just kind of is. But because like that novel does not have, um, it like, sure doesn't. And that's why I like I think Blood Meridian is like one of the best novels I've ever written. Mm-hmm. I don't love it yeah, yeah, because yeah. of the fact that like something like No Country for Old Men. Or the road has like this secondary voice that jumps in. Well, it doesn't that, let like, you. It, Blood Meridian doesn't let you in at any point. Like ever, it keeps you like all the way pushed oh, no. back, like yeah. the whole time. Where No Country for Old Men, even the counselor, like Penelope Cruz, Michael Fassbender really stinks in this movie, and his character really stinks. But like Penelope Cruz is always doing. He doesn't, yeah, he really does. He really has no... Penelope Cruz does. You know what he reminded me of Penelope a lot? Penelope Cruz is fucking... She's great in this. Great in this, yeah. He re- Michael Fassbender reminded me a lot of Jennifer Lawrence in Mother, where he's just kind of like, okay, wh- where am I she, supposed to be? Jennifer Lawrence knew what she was doing, though. But she was, it was... It was, be, it was slightly... Again, another Javier Brennan movie. It was slightly beyond her abilities at that time, and so she was just trying to be present as like hard as she could, she was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. I'm yeah. going to make this work. And that works for the character in that. I think there's an aggression to her that like doesn't need to be there, for sure. There's a, yeah, there's like a, hyster- she goes hysterical, like a little, but again, but it too, works. Too but soon. it works. Yeah, yeah, it works, but like she shouldn't be but in doing this, what she's doing. When Michael Fassbender looks at people and he's just kind of like, what are you talking about? You get the impression that he really doesn't know what they're talking about. And not like in a good way. Like the characters, no. That's what I hear about the counselor is like is like it feels like Michael Fassbender is in a different movie than everyone else. <laughs> he really does when he comes on screen. He's like looking at stuff when he's like looking at the bar, like it's gonna work. It's like you've known this guy for a long time, and he's like, I've, why are you I, looking at the bar? Like I've it's gonna be like a real business venture. I've never venture. seen a movie where somebody seems scared, but like he literally seems scared. Yeah. Most of the time he's doing this movie. Well, and so this is a rather thing that's, this is another McCarthyism, where it's like, in this movie, we know, we know a couple of things, basically, about, like, why Michael Fassbender's character is in the situation that he's in. He owes, yeah. he clearly owes some people some money for something. We don't 100% know what it is. There was that incident with that, at the polo thing, where there's yeah. a guy being, like, you know, saying some McCarthy-like stuff to him. And he's like, oh, it's an old client. We don't know anything about it, but he's clearly in some shit. And because McCarthy usually doesn't tell you, like, that he doesn't go into the, the backstory detail. He just gives you just enough information to support the characterization of, like, the character in the present. But here, it, it kind of hamstrings Michael Fassbender because you're just like, you're just doing stuff, and I have no idea why you're doing stuff. And to that point, Cameron Diaz's character is kind of the same, where, but I mean, she's... But Diaz... Like knows the movie she's in. Like she knows it's it's she knows it's she does it's silly. <laughs> I I guess so. She's not nailing that, but like she's doing her best. 
She's really doing her best. I mean, some of this can like fall in really. She shot. knows what they, she knows what she's supposed to do, but she like doesn't necessarily do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some of this can go to Ridley Scott, like putting putting cheetah print on her, like and with like the cheetahs. You're like, yeah, okay. She's like one of the cheetahs. That's cool. Here's my hot take. Could you imagine uh, not Michael Fassbender, but Orlando Bloom? Mm. I think that movie works if it's Orlando Bloom. That's pretty good. Huh. Yeah, he's a he's a good actor. I think Fassbender is also a good actor. Fassbender is a great actor. I think he just doesn't get this. Yeah. I think Orlando Bloom seems more savvy than Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender seems too earnest. No, for sure. I, I think I love Fassbender. I don't think he's smart. I think he's dumb. Yeah. He's a he's a cute, dumb guy. And I, I think Orlando Bloom knows, like, we, we saw um, Kingdom of Heaven. Mm. Like, Orlando Bloom tried his best. I think this movie would have worked. It would been cool to remake The Counselor with Ryan Gosling as that character now. Because he would know, every, you would know that he knows everything. But, like, that there's, oh, a, there's we'll a deep, we'll see. there's a depth to that, like, performance where he's like, I'm just doing this. Because, like, like I'm Christ. Gosling, that, Gosling's be, a bad guy in Barbie, right? Like, I don't know. I think he's, I think he has to be the bad guy. It's, he, it looks amazing. The Ken song is maybe the greatest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I'm just Ken. <laughs> my kids didn't even, my kids are nascently aware of like Barbie and they're like excited to see it. But like we watched that the other day and they're like, what is happening? And I was like, I don't know. But then they just start like laughing at stuff. I was like, you don't even know what you're laughing at. No, I'm the same way. Like, like literally, um, I should be more excited for Oppenheimer because it, you know. Explosions. It has, has Florence Pugh. Um, but like, like hearing about it, just like, I don't know, it feels like, uh, it's like Christopher Nolan realizes what he's doing. Like he's just doing old Christopher Nolan shit. Maybe, but there's a, there's a, there's a world in which the doing the dark night, but in the context Not of dark night, it's, it's, no, but it's Omnia and. No, but I think he's got, from some of the stuff that I've seen, like, and again, it's just like little snippets because, like, we're not, we don't see anything. We don't matter. We don't have access. We should. The, the, ladies. That little picture, that little, like, tense, like, two second frame that they show of the, them piecing, like, the centrifuge of that, of that bomb together. Yeah. Is, is the thing for me that I go to Nolan movies for which is like a very tactile sense of like of of like the world that he's created. This is not going to feel like this is not going to feel yeah, like the reason, the a reason Hollywood I'm, blockbuster. Yeah, no, the type reason of I'm world. excited about this movie is like it's going to be just about uh Killian Murphy um Emmy uh Emily I forgot her name. Blunt Blunt and uh, Florence Pugh's relationship. Like, this movie's, that's what it's going to be about. Well, that's, I mean, I started reading um, American Prometheus, and it seems like um, they really wanted to, he's, it seems like he's really trying to draw a comparison between, like, Oppenheimer's life and, like, this thing that he did and, like, how this central aspect of his life really mirrored, like, this very tumultuous, like, and but interesting 
like yeah. character that Oppenheimer was and sincere. Like Oppenheimer, like I guess you know everyone trying to paint a certain demo, or certain political affiliation at the time tried to paint him like as like a liar and whatever. And he was just like, I, this is just, I've never He's said I didn't guy. believe yeah. in any of this stuff. I said I was a communist. I said I wanted to do all this stuff. I said I believed in everything. And I still made you a bomb that won the war. Like what? What else, like what else is there? Yeah. Like, how, you know, how do you be a couple of different things at one time? This, the counselor definitely does not have any of those complications in it. It doesn't. It doesn't, <laughs> have, it doesn't that's need a, it. That's, that's what, that's what bugs me out about like this movie um, is the fact that like, this movie and like all the pretty horses and um, everything, but like we can probably move on to Sunset Limited. It's so easy. You want to skip Child of God? I do too. <laughs> Child, of, Child God of God sucks. Is awful. Yeah. Um, Child of God is my second favorite Cormac McCarthy novel. It is the worst movie ever made. It is. It is a student film. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did. He did too, right? I did he? I think he did. I mean, he. I know I he never did, like, watched Sutra. I know he did. That Sutra, is my, Sutra is my Sutra is my favorite, favorite yeah. novel of all time. But I think he did Sutra. Oh, I don't know. And I just this movie. Is I terrible. told my brain that it didn't happen. Yeah, it just isn't happening. Uh, but I'm Sunset sorry. Limited, yes, Sunset Limited, fantastic. I think Sunset um, Limited is great. I think the only thing I would say is that it, uh, you know, just as a critic. Oh, let's the next movie, Sunset Limited. I didn't ask for you to jump into my arm down the subway this morning. I didn't jump in your arms. Well, how you get there, Eddie? You're not making any sense. Oh! God, help us. Lord, we thank you for the life of the professor which you have returned to us. Who appointed you my guardian angel? You know who appointed me your guardian angel. I never suggested any such thing. I don't believe in angels. But what is it you believe in? I believe in the Sunset Limited. Yeah, I, I want to. The only thing I would no. Go ahead, you talk, because I just have like I have like a one quick like directing. Oh, thing. there's there's not there's not to say to it. Um, so Sunset Limited was something I watched when I knew that like Carmen McCarthy was my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was so attached, like what he had to say and what he thought. Um, and he just chose like the best guy. I, Obviously, I'm, I'm not a fan of Samuel L. Jackson in it, but I love the fact that you get um, a Tommy Lee Jones performance, mm-hmm. and Tommy Lee Jones just like so commits to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's a movie I've I've watched multiple times where I've kind of like I don't love it. I I do love it, but I don't love it because it's not necessarily how I think about the world, but mm. it is so aggressively sincere with like the way it presents itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm curious to know who, if you have like a, I felt the same way about Samuel L. Jackson. I, I like Samuel L. Jackson in context. I'm not sure like this, this isn't my favorite, like Samuel L. Jackson performance, even though I don't think he's like, he's not doing anything egregious. I just don't think he's getting inside of that character. So he's just kind of it seems no, like it feels, he's just it feels like he's just choosing like the easy route. Yeah, yes. he's just it's just platitudes every, yeah. it, and maybe that's where it's supposed to be is that like it's like the surface the you know I the don't know, words though, are like, depth cuz probably Jones is aggressively trying here. Sure. I mean and even when he seems like he's not like he's he knows and this is like a thing that I guess this is part of the movie he knows what he's talking about. He's and this is goes to what we were saying about um 
the passenger in Stella Maris, is that like he's done the work. He's exactly where he thinks he should be. Yeah. And it doesn't matter like what kind of biblical nonsense like Samuel Jackson throws at him. He's just like, none of this changes anything because I've done the work and you've just read this book a bunch of times. Like, that's it. I've done the I've looked inside yeah, of that, like the fucking hole and you've just stayed you've just stayed here. And that's, well, that's that's what I love about it. It's like it feels like um with Tommy Lee Jones' character, it feels like he's he's lived in, he knows everything that's been said, mm-hmm. and he has like every argument, every counter to every argument there. Right. Even if he doesn't always use it, because it like at the various points in the movie, it feels like he's losing the movie. Or at least, like, losing the argument. You're just like, oh, say something, Tommy Lee Jones. Like, get this one back. And then he just, like, fucking severs his head in the end. That's terrific. I, I, my only, like, criticism, really, of this movie, besides, like, the, the Samuel Jackson performance, but I'm going to, I'll, like, forgive it, is that, like, I don't know, because there's not much in the apartment, and the apartment is, like, very small, there's not, there's a lot of repeating, like, physical motifs. Like, yeah. he goes over to the plants, a bunch of times Tommy Lee Jones stares out the window like just randomly like for no reason like a bunch of times um, it's because they were just if they didn't they would just be sitting at the table but you have seen movies where like that can work just like the sitting at the table well my issue with this movie is like it, it it's clear that um, McCarthy was excited to like get the people he got for it like he got Tommy Lee Jones he got Samuel Jackson um and this movie feels like it rests so heavily on the actors it got mm-hmm. that it didn't really, like, I don't know. It didn't really feel like it tried. Mm-hmm. Like, the second... I, I think it's his probably best movie, quote-unquote. Um, well, I think Counter is probably his best movie, but the issue with um, this movie is, like, it does feel as though, at points, Tommy Lee Jones is kind of lying reading. Yeah, and I think it's, I don't know if that's not, like, I can't say that's not on purpose, that he's just kind of, like, doing this guy, like, a little bit. I don't think so. You don't think so? He's just no, I, I think, I think, I think McCarthy was excited to have good actors, like, mm. doing his shit, so. I would have liked to have seen Austin Pendleton do this, because he was the original white. Um, and I thought, and it's the same. Pendleton is... He's in, um, uh, I mean, I... I know him. I've internalized him from an episode of Frasier. Um, but he's like a skinny, nerdy guy who's in like a lot of different stuff. Got it. If you saw him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Austin yeah, Pendleton. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, like, if this movie was made like five years previous, like, because it came out in 2006, I think. Um, and then, got, you know, this came out in 2011. I wonder if Charles S. Dutton plays black and not Samuel L. Jackson. But I think at the time, um, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is a get, and Charles S. Dutton is just like a theater actor at that well, the point. The movie itself is, what, 2011? 2011, yeah. yeah. And the play, yeah, the play was originally came out in 2006. But um, it's curious because he did a bunch of stuff after this, and, and this points directly to like his older stuff, but he still did like, like the, I don't know like when he started writing The Counselor, but like he did The Counselor between like yeah. The Road and releasing this movie and, and stuff. It just seems strange. Well, yeah, that's what I find to be like a bummer um, about him is the fact that like he definitely used this movie as like his launching pad because like he wanted to be a, 
a screen right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sunset Limited and um, the shit with like Child of God and the shit with the counselor to become a screenwriter. It just never worked out for him. It didn't really work, yeah. And it sucks because, you know, well, he probably should have never tried to be a screenwriter. Right, well, he's he his dialogue is very specific and works in the mouth of the right actor. And if it's not, it it sounds weird. It sounds yeah, like, like a little off. Very and, marbly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very strange. Um, to that point, I think all of that stuff can be said about the 2009 John Hillcoat adaptation of The Road. I tell the boy, when you dream about bad things happening, it shows you're still fighting. Because when you start to dream about good things, you should start to worry. How many people do you think are still alive? In the world? Not very many. It is cold and growing colder as the world slowly dies. No animals have survived. And all the crops are long gone. You won't survive another winter here. You gotta keep moving. It's out. It's a ghost. The roads are peopled by gangs looking for food. That boy looks hungry. You look at him again, I'll shoot you in the head. I don't think you killed a man in your life. They're gonna catch up with us. I would do whatever it takes. Like what? I'll kill anyone who touches you. Because that's my job. It's like it used to be when the sun came out. Keep them warm and you go south. We're gonna die. Everything depends on reaching the coast. There's a god up there. He would have turned it back on us by now. You carry in the fire. What fire? Fire inside you. They're not gonna quit. This will be the 2024 adaptation of Blood Brigade. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I have a little bit of faith that that... I think John Hillcoat could still be the right director for some of this I stuff. I just think The Road... And again, so the, the, this is a weird one for me because I came to the I came back to The Road last year in a big, uh, in a big way. Oh. Yeah, so I came back to The Road in a major way last year. Um, basically, basically because it, it said it's... Um, said something specifically to me about my anxiety around my kids um, and some stuff that I had been feeling about myself and my relationship to them. Um, and I thought The Road articulated it pretty much the best out of, out of any... There's a, a novel by an uh, Argentine writer named Samantha Schweblin called Fever Dream that kind of did the same thing. Um, but The Road, like, hit me really fucking hard, and I've read it, like five or six times this year. Um, this year, wow. And, uh, well, in like 12, in like like a 12-month span. I yeah. just keep, I just keep going back to it. Um, and I'd seen The Road 
I was kind of indifferent to the road, the Hillcoat version. I like John Hillcoat. Um, Proposition almost made my like top 100 list. Yeah, Proposition is probably my like 170. Yeah, I it's, guess. It's, 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 you know, it's a great movie. I love it. Ray Winstone, Guy Pierce, uh, Nick Cave to a score. It's like, it's like can't lose. And, yeah. and it didn't. Um, I didn't love this movie. I was I didn't love this movie to the point of like indifference when it came out. Um, I now I don't think it really works very well. I think it's because for me, so we talked a little bit about the dialogue. This can happen to Viggo Mortensen if the dialogue isn't really really good. Viggo Mortensen makes it sound clunkier than it, than it is because he like oversells everything. But then it also doesn't seem to have. You get the sense when you're reading The Road, which is a 287-page novel, that this guy and this kid have been on this road, have been walking this road for fucking forever. Ever, yeah. And they've traveled hundreds of thousands of miles, even though it's probably just thousands of miles, but it feels the breadth and width of this country and this story feels, like, infinite. And this movie seems to break that stuff down to these, like, tiny... Like tiny pieces. Why well, think the book does too? It does, but like when. So, for example, the couple of things I noticed this time, when there's nothing happens, the things that happen in the dark, like in the book, happen in the daytime in the in the in the movie, um, and they happen like weirdly, like out in the open, like in a very specific context. Where in the book, it seems like they just kind of happened upon things, not like. They're in front of a huge tunnel, and then all of a sudden a bunch of guys come out that just look like dirty hipsters with bad teeth. Like, those people are fucking, what does he call them, like, sodomites or something in the, in the book? You're talking about the uh, cannibals or whatever? Yeah, 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 like, the Garrett D- Dillahunt-like crew. Yep. Those people are supposed to be, like, like the fucking, like, fucking demons. And these are just look like guys that work at a gas station. And the same thing when they go to the house with the people that, like, they're going to bring to the smokehouse. The texture in this stuff is really, and that's why I think Hillco well, can sell this stuff is really good. But it's, it's the house is wrong. They run like when he, they leave the house, they get out for they run for a really long time. And this, they just run for a couple of steps. There's always a hill for them to hide behind, and they just like hide behind the hill, and nobody sees them. Well, that's what makes me, I don't know, excited about Hillcoat doing uh, Bloodbury, and is the fact that like, I don't know, everything with um, the road is so plain and so like by the numbers mm-hmm. that like it needs to happen. I'm like, um, I feel as though blood breeding like demands like, Oh, an intensity to it, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't have an intensity. It should have like a very plain by the numbers sort of thing. Cause the thing I love about the Hillcoat version of the road is like, he does the, um, he does like the kid, the, the, Sure. Baby death, and it's it's presented so flatly mm-hmm. and um, indifferently that it works. The, it, there, there it is. It, it works. It works to an extent. It doesn't work, but it should work, I guess. Yeah, I, because um, he he knows what he's doing, but he almost does it too well, I guess. It's weird because this is where again, so this is like a Vigo thing where like. I think on one hand, Vigo's like perfect for this role, but on another hand, he's just kind of, it seems a little off. Like the guy... Well, Vigo's doing like too much uh, Eastern Promises. Yeah. Shit. 
the guy in the book gets to a place where him and the he understands that the kid like and it's so it's it's a character development thing he understands that the kid like you know has seen some of the stuff that he's seen he's like never going to unsee it and so yeah. trying to get him to like not look at stuff is not like helpful anymore in the movie it starts from the very beginning he's like you've seen this before and it's like i know that like you need to do that because like that's where it's going but part of the beauty of the book is like this this the development of this guy cresting at like an understanding and then like his kind of dis, like physical descent like into like oblivion well the thing that works and this is just kind of like He's just there. He's all there. He starts there, and then he's just like and, he just stays there. And he just kind yeah. of stays there, yeah. Which is is the problem with the book is uh the fact that like the best part of the book is um when they get to uh the underground the bunker the bunker yeah and like he just is like oh we're gonna be like fine we're not gonna be fine necessarily but like you know yeah like, everything feels good. For a second, um, yeah. For a second, yeah. Um, and the problem, I think, the the movie is that like, Viggo um, Mortensen never seems fine during that scene. He doesn't. He just seem- always seems. He always seems like he's on guard, and like. Yeah. The book literally says, like, that's the he scene relaxes. where he relaxes. Yeah, but I think it's weird because there's, there's weird director choices. Again, and so I, I want to, like, be clear. Like, I think Hilco is going to nail Blood Meridian and have, like, a specific thought about that versus The Road. And one of it is because, like, in that scene, I thought it really stuck out this time. Again, maybe it's just because I know the book too well at this point. But, like, when they get downstairs, he, like, lights a lamp. And the le- and the light stays on, like he you know he yeah. he carries like a fucking black oil lamp that's like spewing smoke like into the kid's face into the bunker, because I can't see anything. And then he finds the the white oil lamps and he lights them and the lights stay on and they stay on that they it gets hot in the bunker. And this for no reason like he hits an electric switch and then like the lights go out and so the whole thing's by candlelight. It's like why. Why did you do that? Yeah. Like, what was the... Per- I think it was the height of the drama. But again, I think the problem with The Road, again, it's not Hillco and it's not necessarily Vigo, um, is that this book was a sensation, and then it was an Oprah book, so it had, like, this massive cultural footprint, and so they were, they were determined to get a money-making movie, like a blockbuster. At, I mean, it's dark I mean, as shit. They nailed the ending. Sure. But, um, Which is, makes me happy is the fact that like the ending is nailed, like they got. I mean that kid's that Cody Smith McPhee. We should have seen it coming. It's great. He like it broke my heart like in all sorts of ways. Um, and he's still like so bummed out. Like he, his life sucks, and they nailed that like, right. ending. In the um, movie. But they have a dog, so it's cool. Um, and so Hilco had nothing, he, he just had to get, he had to make an exciting movie, and The Road is not exciting. The Road as a book is just sad. Um, and its sadness just increases, like, the more you watch it. Yeah. Um, and this, this movie has all these weird moments where, like, it expands, like, scenes that, like, don't need expansion. Like, when they come upon those people in the house, like, in the basement... 
like, you know, the people come in and they run upstairs and then like the people try to escape and so they have to run down. That's just not in the book. The point of that in the book is that like he saw some shit. He saw finally saw some new things yeah. that like he can't like new things are happening can't to unsee, him yeah. that like like you know that guy grabs him and he has to like, he shoots him over his head and then he sees this like terrible thing. Um, that's the point of that scene. It's not an action scene like in the in the book. They see it. They run out of the house. They hide in the woods for a little bit. They almost freeze. They have to move. You know that's it. Like that's that's the thing. Um, you know, the him seeing the boy in this, like, plays as, like, he sees the boy and it's really sad, but Vigo plays it too hard. Like, what are you doing? What, what the hell are you doing? And then, like, that's the end of it. It's like, nope, that's, like, not the point of the, that scene in the book. Well, what do you feel about the ending of this movie? I think, I mean. Because, like, it's, it's a little on the nose. It's like. Sure. But it's, I, my, I, but it's, it's like, what happens you, so that's the thing. So I think they wanted to get, and this is a this is a big. I had this problem. We just watched. Um, Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Which I th- have not seen it yet. I like from a filmmaking perspective, but their reverence to the source material like kills it. It kills it from being an all-time great movie because they're too obsessed with the nostalgia, the boomer. Who, who, who directed it? I don't remember. She um, she hasn't done like a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. But I guess Judy Bloom like handpicked her or whatever. And I thought Judy Bloom was kind of above this kind of like um, hagiography type thing. But yeah. like it, she's not because the movie makes no sense because they just keep trying to ham fist these concepts that work in a novel that like was written in the 70s about like something that took place in the 50s. And it's or in the, the 70s that took place in the 70s um, in like 2023. And you're just like, yeah, this doesn't like I don't care about this stuff like, this religion stuff, like, and she doesn't care about it either, but you just keep, like, after a certain amount of time, you're just, like, you just keep, going just keep bringing it up, up, and you're, like, oh, yeah, I forgot that, like, this is a thing that she cares about, um, and I don't get the impression that the director cares about it either, because the parts of the movie that really work is when the director is doing stuff that has nothing to do with that stuff, you know, she has a vision for the movie, but she keeps needing to hammer these, like, points of the novel, and I think that's what's happening in this, and that's what happens at the end a little bit, is that, like, at the end of the book, there's like a little passage about, right before the passage about the fish, there's a passage about like, um, you know. The, the fish the, and, are you there, Margaret? Or? No, in, in the road. Okay. So there's like right at the end of the road, there's like this little passage about yeah. like fish. They have a map of like the history of the universe. Yeah, yeah. I, right just before want, I just that, wanted to clear it out. Yeah, no, there's, there's no, yeah, I hope it would be cool <laughs> if people would like watch Are You There, Margaret? Are You There, God, to be Margaret expecting the road. Um, there's a por- portion, portion right before that where um, he talks about how the, the woman in the camp. So they go back to the camp even though, like, you don't, like, you know, you don't yeah, see yeah. it or anything like that. And, like, she, you know, she tells him it's okay, like, one day that he talks to his dad and, that like, you know, God will be there for you, blah, 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 because Cormac McCarthy was always talking about God. And so for some reason they felt, like, compelled to shove that woman in your face in the movie. And I was like, you don't need this. Let him just have a conversation with Guy Pierce, Let him talk to his dad and then just go. Just go with it. Yeah. Just, just end it. But like, they gotta show these kids, and they gotta show this dog, and it seems like they're just a fan. And we've been following you. It's like, what? What do you mean you've been following them? What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. And like, that's that's not what like the thing is. They just knew that they were there because they've got this big operation. They've got a camp. They've got some people. Um, this just makes it seem like there's a a, a you know a family 
with a dog that were just like traipsing around them, like not bothering to do anything. That yeah, seems weird. I, I never, I never love the ending of this because it feels so convenient. I guess. Yeah. Like. But it was, right? but it was convenient in. Again, this is this is me just being too close. It was convenient in the book too, but it seems like well, Guy, the book is very convenient. But it seems like Guy Pierce's character, or the, the you know the 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 guy that comes up, the way that he has him standing, the way that he has him acting, makes it seem like he might be the leader of a group that knows yeah. like what's happening in that area of the woods. And again, this is a again maybe it's not a flaw for everyone, but it was a flaw for me watching it this in this context. Like this movie does, the book doesn't end on the beach. They go back into the woods, back onto the road, trying to figure. Trying to make it still for a little bit before, like the man just kind of gives up and stuff. This is just all on the beach, and it's like, right, that's like, it's just too dramatic. It doesn't need to be this dramatic. It's not supposed to be this dramatic. The guy is basically just coming out and being like, "You either stay here and die, or you come with us and you live, and we will not eat you." Yeah, that's that's what I love about like the finish of the novel as it is, because like it's. So aggressively, a nothing mm. ending. It just is an ending. You know that kid lived another couple, like, long enough to have this conversation with this woman. And that's really all that matters. Yeah. Like, like he maybe lived ten more years. These people like, that's are, it. And that's the thing. That's what the point of the end of the book is, with, like, that, you know, that little paragraph about the fish, is that they're not rebuilding this world. This world's no, finished. Just, yeah. The idea is just to keep this Everyone's going to die. <laughs> Yeah, um, this and like in the worst possible way, but it's just like is you can do something lightly, I guess. Well, and there's a in the book there seems to be a religious like religious esque or Christian esque glory in the fact that like they will all die eventually. Yeah. But like if you do it the right way, carrying the fire, you. Not like you're going to go to heaven or anything like that, but like you will be kind of like a part of, of this, this cycle. Yeah. Um, and that's not present in the movie. The movie just like ends with like him joining a family. And you're like, neat. That must be, that'll be fun. That'll well, be fun to have uh, some miserable kids to play with. <laughs> I think that's my biggest problem with that movie is like it does end with just like a, no, that's convenient. Mm. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the movie we'll touch on really quickly, 2007 No Country for Old Men. You got no cause to hurt me. No. But I gave my word. You gave your word? To your husband. That don't make sense. You gave your word to my husband to kill me? Your husband had the opportunity to save you. Instead, he used you to try to save himself. Not like that. Not like you say. You don't have to do this. People always say the same thing. What do they say? They say, you don't have to do this. Okay. This is the best I can do. Call it. 
I know you was crazy when I saw you sitting there. I know exactly what was in store for me. Call it. No. I ain't gonna call it. Call it. The coin don't have no say. It's just you. I got here the same way the coin did. Yeah, I don't know if there's... There, I remember watching this movie and getting really mad. Like, that no he... Country for Old Men. That, like, Anton Chigurh just, like, walks away. And, uh... Really? Like, the first time I'm... I saw it, I was like, I can't believe it. And then, in hind... Like, in, immediately after, I was like, oh, it's so good. Like, it's so fucking good. Like, the, the, the second he, he checks his feet, um... In the end, yeah. Like when he's after he kills um, Tony McDonald's character, uh-huh. um, I'm just like this movie knows like what it's doing aggressively knows mm-hmm. what it's doing. Yeah, but then it keeps going. You think you're gonna get him? No. And that kid gives him a shirt. Never for his sling, and he just like walks away. He's like, oh, yeah. I, I don't think you ever think you're gonna get him. I think it's just he's. Just a force of nature. But that's why the Coens are good directors because they're like, we're going to do this because there's definitely going to be people watching it that are going to be like, he's, oh, this is it. And then he's just like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. No thanks. I'm leaving. Um, But this, do you think that this is the, this is obviously the best adaptation. Yeah, easily. Hands down. Is it doing, do the Coens... Speak to McCarthy? Like, do they seem to understand McCarthy? Or do they just kind of luck like into, they're, like... They're doing their own thing, I guess. Like, yeah. They, I, I don't think they give a shit about McCarthy. I don't think so either. No. But, like, it works because they're just aggressively doing their own thing. Yeah, I we kind of, was, we kind of talked about this when we did the episode. I really think that they they thought this was one thing, and then they were making it, and it turned into like a McCarthy adaptation and they're just like ah like we've lost kind of control of this one like there aren't enough jokes in this like to that are gonna make this not terrible. so the first scene with uh, Anton Chigar where like he's hanging out with like the dudes who he ends up killing Uh that's a hell of like a McCarthy thing Mm -hmm. but like every time like this movie has a McCarthy thing it ends up being like a Ends up working perfectly. Has a um, the slash um, you know Cohen's thing. Mm-hmm. It's because like I think those two are so, are are on the same wavelength, and so like the movie the Cohen's would want to make um, is the movie that's going to be made. Sure. Yeah. 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 But that makes be, sense. I, it makes per- I think it's. It makes perfect sense because there is there is like a um, a narrative and aesthetic dissonance to this to this movie that like there's all these scenes where there's these extent. I mean, I'm thinking of like the Llewellyn Moss like finding the trucks scene yeah. where there's no music for like a really long time, and he just like is looking at stuff, and then he like sees some things. And then he, like, goes and, you know, finds the guy under the tree and, like, finds the cash. And then he's looking around. And um, all that 
in because it's a Coen Brothers movie, functions in a certain way, but it's a perfect representation of what that was in in McCarthy's book. Yeah, just like no frills, just kind of like he saw a thing, he looked at this. Llewellyn knows some things about some things and was able to like pick out you know X, Y, and Z you know um, characteristics of this scene and then like looked over there and then there was a thing and he walked over to it and he, you know he opened yeah. up the bag and all this other stuff. So it seemed like they were like because they were making it, it fit into their mold, but in reality it was just kind of like they were just like stretching their mold around this. Like, it was just luck that it happened. Right. Yeah. Um, and like Tommy Lee Jones, like nailing all the line readings of his character, um, saying him in a very Coen Brothers way, but also being like him depicting that exhaustion like perfectly, and just kind of like oh, this is, and that makes I think that makes the movie so much more pleasurable to me. Those anachronisms just kind of like working against each other for sure. Yeah, yeah, just just being so done with everything. Mm. That's what makes the movie work is like how done everyone is. Yeah. Um, a movie that I think tried to not that couldn't do that. There's some of them, Mary. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, me, me, myself, and Irene. Um, the best one. We should. I. It is my favorite one. Um, because I, I don't even understand why it exists. I'm not sure why the whole soundtrack is covers of Steely Dan songs, but it is whatever. I've seen it once. So I, I watched that a lot, like when I was like a kid, because I didn't. I didn't love something about Mary, but I did love me, myself, myself and Irene. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. Even like Kingpin, like I respected Kingpin more. Well, Kingpin's a great, so. But like, I didn't get it when I was a kid, but like, I got, I seem to get there's something yeah. up there. Um, I don't think, maybe, I'm, I'm curious to know what you think. I'm, I'm not sure that our next film, I'm not sure the director of our next film got it, but I think he really thought he got it. And that is Billy Bob Thornton's All the Pretty Horses. Hell, you're regular old desperado, ain't you? In a land far from home. <laughs> you rode here from Texas. Yes, sir. There's Don Hecker in here we have. Owns this whole shebang. 27,000 acres. Grant's been in his family 170 years. John Cole found the adventure he'd always dreamed of. But the journey he never imagined was the one that began with a look. She's probably used to taking guys got their own airplanes, let alone cars. You can get me in trouble. You are in trouble. <laughs> it is not proper for you to be seeing together. This is another country. A woman's reputation is all she has. I know the old man likes you. That don't mean he's gonna set still for you courting his daughter. You're probably right. It don't change nothing, though, does it? So I don't remember actually having watched this movie ever. Me either. <laughs> um, I feel I felt like I, I did, but when I was watching it, I was just like, I don't think I remember this at all. 
It's very forgettable. Oh, it's so forgettable. I mean, so in case you don't, you know, in case anyone's like super interested in the, because this is the one movie, I mean, maybe you got it from The Counselor. You know what The Road is about. We've talked about No Country for Old Men. Um, All Pretty Horses, like, is, is, is from, is like the beginning of the border, like the border the trilogy. The border trilogy. It came, yeah. the border trilogy came right after um, Blood Meridian, which I think is fascinating, is that he wrote, like, his classic all-time work and then wrote three really popular, pretty standard westerns. Yeah, he wrote the Crossing and Cities of, of the Plain. I think is the third yeah. one. Yeah, and they're all within like six years of each other. So he wrote three books in six yeah, years. Yeah, ninety two through ninety eight. Yeah, so which yeah. is like too fast. And like I get, you know, he had something on his mind and he got there. Whatever. You write anything until No Control and Men, like literally eleven years, eight years later. Yeah, he was so. just kind of like, oh, I got. Yeah. Something else in my mind. So uh, Matt Damon plays John Grady Cole, who thought he was going to get bequeathed or was hoping to get bequeathed the ranch from his grandfather, but his mother, who wants to be an actress, is going to get it instead, and he's just mad about it. And so he's like, I'm going to go to Mexico and try to and experience the real West. And Henry Thomas goes with him. Um, and on the way, they meet... Um, this kid played by, what the fuck is his name? Oh, Jer- Jimmy Blevin is played by Lucas Black, who stinks in everything. Um, sorry, Lucas Black, I just, I'm just not a fan. Um, and they end he's up in an American Gothic. He's, you know, he was, what was that football movie he was in? Um, fuck. Uh, you know what was, I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, Friday Night Lights. Oh, yeah, Friday, he was the, the quarterback in yeah. the movie Friday Night Lights, right. He was okay in that, but again, that might just be like, Peter Berg making an action movie out of a football film better than like Peter Berg, right? Yeah, fuck yeah, it is. And Oliver Stone being like, I could do that, and been failing with any given Sunday. You know what Peter Berg didn't have happen in his movie? A guy's eye fell out and then picked it back up and walked (laughs) off the field. Didn't happen. Um, And so yeah, they end up in Mexico. They end up working for this rancher, and the rancher has a daughter played by uh, Penelope Cruz. And, you know, lo and behold, she falls in love with, with Matt Damon's character, and that's not, a, that's not cool. And, uh, you know, they have to, you know, there's some tension there. Um, you know what wrote the screenplay, right? No. To Tally. Oh, yeah. From, from, uh, from Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Um, there was some controversy about this, <laughs> this movie. Like, you know, apparently they made this, this big, long movie that they thought they really liked, and then... Harvey Weinstein and his infinite genius got a hold of it and was just like, I'm going to cut an hour out of this and I'm going to make... Yeah, because like, it was originally like four hours long, I think. Something, yeah. Like, and with a score by Daniel Lanois, who I'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and he turns this into like a pretty standard issue Western with a garbage, like hilariously terrible country Western score by Marty Stewart and like makes this romance like the central tension of this movie where in the apparently in the original movie that was not the case um this movie stinks well yeah the border trilogy is not about like <laughs> any of this so no it is not um it's literally a bit the thing Cormac McCarthy was on his on his fucking fence post just talking about how like the west is dying not because like th- like other forces are coming to eat it but because it is eating itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's like when No Country for Old Men, like people talk about this, it's not because like 
modernism or modernism is coming in to kind of like rip this stuff apart. Modernism. Modernism is coming in to take all this. Moderna is here. <laughs> to vaccinate the past. Um, God, do you want to be vaccinated? Vaccinate no. the future against the past. <laughs> you, can't, you can't choose. You're just going to go back. You're getting it. Yeah. Um, it's more about the fact that like all this other stuff that's happening it's right happening. then yeah, yeah. Is, is fucking happening. And it's not about the future. It's just about like people getting... People being fucked up, not by time, but just by like, like. Well, it's God. aggressive. Like that's what I love about the the thing I love about this movie is um, Sham Shepard, like performance where he just kind of is like is the guy who's just like there. He's just like, well, it's good. Yeah, you. he just says like it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing I love about this movie is like I do not like this movie, but the thing I do like about this movie is just like it's general. You can't control fate. Like, it's going to happen. Like, the world will happen. Hell yeah, buddy. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's... Oh, it's, it, it's, uh, and that's, like, a great thing, like, with Westerns. Because, like, the Westerns didn't do that at the time. Yeah. Like, Westerns were, like, so aggressively, like, individualism. Like, they're so aggressively, like, just, like, oh, I'm a person, blah, blah, blah. But, like, this was the movie that said, like, no, you're not. Like, you're just a fucking... Well, it was supposed to have, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. But, like, this movie says just, like, you're just a... Uh, a cog in the machine. And that's what I love about this movie. Mm-hmm. But like, it didn't end up doing anything. Well, that's just the, like, you know, and maybe this is just like the, the Miramax edit, but like Billy Bob Thornton did film Henry, Henry Thomas and Matt Damon laying down on rocks, looking at the stars and just like being like, Oh, the world's pretty big. Yeah. Ever wonder what's uh, big about the world. And it's like, okay, like, Cool. Like, that's not, like, what Cormac... And so I, my problem with it, I intimated this, like, at the beginning when I talked about it, I was like, my problem is that, like, with this movie is that... I think Billy Bob Thornton thought he really got that, but there was, like, a wistful quality to this movie, which is not, like, present in the, in the books. Like, the books is, like, literally... It's not as aggressive as Blood Meridian or No Country for Old Men. Well, no, the issue of this like, movie is, like, it's, um... It came out, what, five months before um, American Beauty? Mm. That's the problem with this movie. It's like, it exists, has like its own thing, but like, it is not its own thing. Yeah, and it's too silly, and like, you know, again, that could be the edit, but again, they did film some of this stuff. Um, You know, I don't know, it's too jokey. Like, there should be no jokes in these movies unless they're like sad jokes. Um, I mean, I, I do love Matt Damon and Penelope Cruz in this. Like, I think, like, presenting them has, like, a romantic sort of one-two punch yeah. that works. But it just does never, it never commits itself. Well, because it misses the point in that, like, it's just, it's a thing that happens in this guy's life that he, like you said, is, like, in, incapable of controlling, which is in the movie. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, I told you this is going to happen. And he's just like, I don't, okay. Like, what did you want me to do? Not sleep with Penelope Cruz? Like, come on. Spoilers. You sleep with Penelope Cruz. Shit. hundred times out of a hundred. <laughs> if you're Matt Damon and this, and she's like looking at you and she just is showing. Again, this movie is really weird because like she just shows up places like on a horse. And you're like, how did she get there? And why is she hiding in like this little outcropping of bushes? And you're just like, why is she there? And I guess it's because of the fate thing, but in the movie, because Billy Bob Thornton doesn't really, like, have an aesthetic. He's just 
a guy, a guy who's directing yeah. a movie, and you're just kind of like, okay, she's there, and doing what? I don't know. He just like rides past her like a million miles an hour, and just like, oh, hey. Well, that's the thing that I always find something about this movie is like, um, her and um, what the fuck? Um, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. Yeah, exactly. Is that really what you're talking yeah. about? Oh, cool. Uh, like she aggressively has a voice in that movie. Sure, but not in this movie. She's that's the thing about Penelope Cruz is that she is um, probably like the single most underrated actor that like is working because she's so beautiful. But like she's the fucking best in everything. Like she, but nobody gives a shit. Nobody, that, nobody like gives her any credit. No. Yeah. Because she's she so attractive. Great tits and but like, everything. So it's just like, she's just a, a chick. She owns all of these roles. And she's thrilling when, like, she's used properly. Like, in, you know, Pedro Amoldova. Oh, ah, I just had... In Open Your Eyes. Like, she's... Sure. In Open Your Eyes, like, which is... Vanilla Sky. Yes. Is, 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 like, what Vanilla Sky is based on. Yes. She controls Open Your Eyes. But, like, nobody looks at her as... A performer in that movie. Right. And nobody talks about Volver anymore. And she's unbelievable in that. Parallel mothers, like, you know, love it or hate it. Or like, you know, Mind she got whatever. Made for the Oscar, she's right? un- I mean, she's unbelievable in Parallel Mothers. If that didn't fall like right in the middle of like our again, of our like awards thing, it would have been a bigger movie for me. But like it got released in, right after in America, right after we saw stuff. So it doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter. Nobody cares. But she's great. This movie doesn't know how to use her, like really, like super well. It doesn't know. Which how to, like going back to the counselor, like she just is killed in the council. Like I love the thing I love about the counselor is like it feels as though um, Court McCarthy knew what he was doing. He was just like, this chick is a great actress. I'm gonna fucking kill her. Well, they just, just in. For no reason. It's what they, they must have told her like on set when she's about to do these scenes. It's like, you know, she's like, you know, what's happening? Right before they're going to shoot, it's like, someone just came up to her and was like, you know that how this is going to end up. You'd prefer it not happen, but you know. Yeah. Action. Like, all, like, the whole time. Um, but it's, it's, I don't, I, this it's just rough. Great. Like, that movie's, like, that movie and that, like, Everything with it was just rough. My favorite thing about the counselor is that the unrated director's cut is only no, like is only like twenty minutes longer. It doesn't have like an extra like fifty minutes of footage like attached to it. It's like probably a bunch of extra death scenes. Is her is her death more brutal or I didn't see it. Oh. I just like because no, it was they wanted it was you could rent it for like three bucks or you could buy it the uncut and it's all you could do was buy it for like fifteen. I was like. I'm not going to buy this movie. So the thing I love about that movie is just, like, he's so broken by that point. Who? And, like, uh, Fastbender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, By the end? Yeah. It's great. He is. But it's, but you're just, like, he gets broken, and you're just, like, what's going to happen to this guy? Maybe nothing? You also stop caring. (laughs) Well, my favorite Which is great. Like, at that point, you're just, like, yeah, he's, he's, uh. Oh, yeah, and when he shows. He's fucking ruined. When he shows back up, you're just like, oh, yeah, he's still here. Yeah, I just kept hoping they were going to follow Brad Pitt, like, you know, forever. They do. And then he dies. Yeah, yeah, my favorite part of this, my favorite part of The Counselor is the John Leguizamo scene. When that guy is just like, what do you do with the body? He's like, we'll just put it back. And then what? It rides around, and and then they, and, they, and, they, and it's like, but then what? It's like, 
And then put it back. You know what's... What? The thing... So, we should wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. The thing I love about this... Uh, love about, like, The Counselor is the fact that, like, it made me appreciate um, Boz Lerman more. Mm, why? Because, like, with the John Leguizamo scene and all that, like, you know, obviously... Ridley uh, Scott knows he's a solid director. Sure. And... Um, Court McCarthy knows how to almost direct scenes. Um, you end up having like an entire scene in uh, The Counselor that's basically Romeo plus Juliet. Like, felt so like well done. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, the, it's, I mean, it's still a bad movie. No, I just I think you're I think you're on to something because I think Ridley Scott makes very efficient movies that get the job done. I think the counselor could have used a little panache. I mean yeah, not, that, sure. not that I'm saying like Boz Lerman is like the guy, but like you're you're pointing at something that this movie lacks, which is like a personality that isn't like Well yeah, but your problem with the counselor is like there's an excitement that needs to be there that like it's not that Court McCarthy can't do it, he just doesn't give a fuck. Right, and they were just again, they were too beholden to like the McCarthy aesthetic, and like that makes Cameron Diaz look bad. Yeah, like McCarthy only cares about like the fact that Cameron Diaz is fucking, you know, a. (laughs) Do you think this movie made her stopped making movies? No, she only made like two more movies after this, and like it's like in the same year. No, I think it aggressively made her love movies. Oh, you think so? Yeah, like she was. She liked making this movie. Yeah, I mean, she's terrible in it, but she's, like, also trying really, really hard. Yeah. But I yeah. love... I mean, again, there's a lot of... It's funny. There's a lot of scenes in this that I love. But I mean, thing about that fucking gets... the car scene is, is Javier Bardem talking about, like, how it just confused him. He was so confused by it that, like, it wasn't erotic anymore. He was just like, what am I supposed to feel about this? But, like, she feels it's erotic. Like, like... Sure. Cameron oh, Diaz, yeah. like, is fucking the shit out of that car. Makes the Tom look a little, little tame after that. Yeah. If you want to fuck a car, <laughs> you can go at uh, we should get Film a, Pivotal. We should get a Threads account. We should. We should. Yeah. If you want to fuck a car, you can do so on our Threads account. Which we'll, we'll make at Tom some point will, this week. That Tom will create. Yes. I mean, we're going to do a mini episode after this, so. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I don't know how Threads works, so it'll take me too long. I don't know either. I um, I literally just got very drunk on, um, what's this called? The Gronies this week and watched uh, watched the movie we're going to talk about in our mini episode. You know what's so, funny? I just we just watched Uncharted. You ever see Uncharted? That movie's so good. It's pretty good. It's so fun. I um I didn't I didn't love the the end like the boats and the sky and the helicopters. Yeah, that's fine. I got I took a lot of shit from my family. I was like, this is not working, and everyone's like, you're wrong. It's fun. It's awesome. It's like a ride. And I was like, ah, it, just, it seemed so grounded up to that point. No, yeah, no, no, for sure. It was it was it was super grounded, and it just became like dumb. I mean, Mark Wahlberg is awful, but like, oh, absolutely. He's, but Tom Holland, Tom like, Holland kills it. Pretty good. Yeah, it's, I, I worked. Yeah. It and if, if you want to talk about Tom Holland and uh, other shit, we'll talk about that on. 
uh, threads, I guess, because we have our threads. Our By threads the time account. you hear this, we may have a threads account, so yeah. look for us on threads. Yeah. Whatever that is. Otherwise, uh, drink a beer, see a movie, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>